scuffle broke the peace down at Barbecue Palace. A couple broken bones for trout to fix. Sally caught an elbow They say she chipped a tooth Carl lost his lunch all in his booth Hell, even I was up in the mix Welcome to Oftentimes, people drift apart because somebody goes changing and doesn't let the other one know. We left things last time with the O'Connells. Let's stay with them just a little longer. Pharmacist, Carl O'Connell. There was money in my ex-wife's family. There was a ton of old Mormon settler money. And for me, that was a strange way to come into it. I'd always been broke. I was good at being broke. In hindsight, that had a lot to do with how they thought of me. My intentions, doubts they had about me. All at once, my hand-to-mouth days were over, and I was in the completely alien position of thinking about what I actually wanted. A year or so into it, I launch a little widget company. Kind of stuff you make more on shipping than the product itself. Clips that put erasers on pencils, plastic things, little machine parts. I was basically playing with house money, pretty much a pittance compared to my ex-wife's weekly allowance. And then things got stupid. My accountant, Bridget, and her husband, Charlie, were in the craziest tailspin I ever saw. <laughs> Boy, did they know how to ruin a Christmas party. Charlie wants out, but Charlie wouldn't look good in a courtroom. So he decides to get cute. He drums up some crooked P.I., puts together these phone records, written correspondences, some photos from behind plants and through windows. If you took Charlie's word for it and kind of squinted your eyes, you might be able to make a case for it being evidence of an affair. Between Bridget and myself, and he shows it to my wife, and suddenly we're off to the races. I was such a soft target, sitting there looking for the best in people. I mean, Gail and I were really happy, but she bought it. Charlie won his divorce, and suddenly I'm headlong down the rabbit hole, and I was eviscerated, brutally, aggressively, with an amazing, savage spite. 
with things said and brought out and asked of me that had nothing to do with anything but hurting me in any way beyond the marriage, emotionally, professionally, my reputation, my tastes, my uh, kinks, my habits, my finances, my ambitions, the ways I express affection or anger or grief. What did you really mean when you said this or did that? She had the lawyers. She had the money, the pedigree, the reputation, the political sway, and her heart was absolutely torn to shreds. And I just stood there, still loving her and not being believed. It took some time, and I'm sure a good bit of diligence on Bridget's part, but it came to light. The phony PI, the false records. Gail tells me to take what I want, have what I want. Believing, finally believing me and wanting me back. Wanting to marry me a second time. But when you really see the darkest in someone, the claws and the fangs and the uh, reptilian hatred, I couldn't do it. I tried. I really think I tried, but it was false. So I went home. I started again with Mary Ann. And apparently, she's done something very special for Deputy Steves. Deputy and me. The whispers at the station, the whimpers at the pharmacy. Check on Sally You know she lost 
just the bottom half of an incisor The cook, the thief, the wife, the lover, the sergeant, her husband, whoever Last time we heard from Carl, he said this. I'll hear her, shifting around in bed, kicking at the blankets, having what she calls monkey brain, and I'll say, you okay? Can I get you something? You need water? What Carl doesn't know is that the police sergeant would suffer a brutal episode of the monkey brain. The very night he said those words. Carl did not wake up for this. He didn't wake up when the police sergeant slipped out of bed. He didn't wake up when she went to the kitchen. Or when she opened the refrigerator and pulled out the Tupperware of leftovers. It was pasta salad. The shell kind in white sauce with canned tuna. Carl didn't wake up when the police sergeant took what was meant to be the next day's lunch out to her squad car and drove west. Carl slept deep as the police sergeant delivered the food to Joe's tent in Angus Jackson's orchard. Carl slept while Marianne and Joe hung out for almost two hours next to a little fire Joe made out of fallen tree branches. And Carl was fast asleep when the police sergeant came home, silently opened the front door, took off her boots, and climbed back into bed. There were 75 minutes between when the police sergeant's head got back to her pillow and when her alarm sounded that it was time to start the next day. She slept none of these 75 minutes. Police Sergeant Marianne O'Connell Do people hate Joe? Do people hate Joe because of me? I knew Joe's father. I knew Joe's father very well. And I was the mayor's daughter, about to finish high school, when I gave birth to Joe. But I'm not out as Joe's mother, to Carl, to anyone. So when people insinuate or on the rare occasion it comes up, I just shoot him daggers like a wimp. And when I got pregnant in high school, we wanted the baby. But my dad had a political career. So, I went to my aunt's house in Colorado to be pregnant, to have the baby, Joe, And it was more than conspicuous coming back to town. And the baby's father coincidentally receiving his 
brother's newborn that very same week following an accident outside Bozeman. By the way, the facts were never made clear. How convenient. That was our arrangement. The arrangement my father engineered, which was more concerned with clean hands than with his grandson. I've been thinking a lot about why it feels awful to be robbed. It's Melba Carnes who initially got me thinking about this when she said the following. We wake up the next morning and the Dodge turns up missing. And I'm pretty sure I saw a big white work truck out there on the service road. And this has me thinking about, you know, the trip. The boys home alone upward of a week or two. I'm not going to the coast to fret and worry and get robbed again. So I've been looking for wisdom about how to think about having been robbed. Confucius is credited as having said, being robbed and cheated is not a problem. But if you remember about it all the time, that is a problem. Stoic philosophers say we're not affected by events, but by the views we take of them. Is the trick to, like, be happy about it? I'm not trying to be dense, I'm really trying to understand this wisdom. The Duke in Shakespeare's Othello says, The robbed that smiles steals something from the thief. He robs himself that spends a bootless grief. I keep saying that until it sounds weird. A bootless grief, a bootless grief. Melba Carnes doesn't sound bootless to me. I think I see the truck out front of the pharmacy. The white truck from the service road. Big rack on it, utility box, ladder on the roof. I'm staring at the Yosemite Sam mudflaps, thinking, I swear that's familiar. So I go and I get a biscotti and a hot chocolate at the little cafe in the variety store across the street waiting for the owner of the truck. I'm there 10, 12 minutes, and out of the pharmacy comes Tamara Tillman. And she climbs into the truck. And I can see her hand tremors from all the way over there, and she downs a handful of pills with what looked like water, but I doubt it was. And I dip my biscotti in my drink, and I think to myself, well, well, well. And I go. I go the scenic way home, past Brownie's junkyard where Tamara lives with her kid. And I drive slow. And I see the truck, parked with the junkers, not in the drive, like they're hiding it. And I see the guy out there, the tic-tac guy with the baggy pants and all the necklaces, throwing fireworks into the burn barrel next to Brownie's place. Well, of course I call Sergeant O'Connell. I tell everybody to keep an eye out. And now what? Do I check county records? I mean, is that something that you can do? 
Now, it looks to me like O'Connell's just sitting on her hands and hoping it all goes away. I don't want all this to die in a stack of paperwork on O'Connell's desk while people keep getting robbed and worse. So, my plan is to talk to Brownie. Tell him I'm interested in that vehicle. Tell him I saw it with the Junkers, that Eric could use a new truck for work or something. Hopefully talk bill of sales, pink slips, whatever they are. Maybe walk away with a name, having not just bought what is possibly a stolen truck. Just as soon as Brownie gets back from one of his famous scavenges. The so-called tic-tac guy. Sick of this. Everyone knows your name. People all looking at people like they know something about people. Think they do. Want to. Want to be all bad. Be all pleased about it. Every place I turn, oh, where you from? Oh, who you know? Like I'm some sightseer with a little plastic camera and a fanny pack full of band-aids and jolly ranchers. People all saying I made a scene at the BBQ Palace. Okay, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to do crimes. I'm here to make drugs and sell them to kids and steal things. You think I'll be all palsy-wowsy? So I'm getting my grub on. And man, I like that place. They do it right. Guy with a big beer belly doing it all in an open flame in the parking lot with a cowboy killer hanging out of his mouth. And that's what I'm talking about. Let that guy make my dinner all day. So I got my mouth full. Got my wilted greens with the bacon chunks in them and the baked potato with the bacon chunks on it. And I got a T-bone and all this. And I'm just in my zone about it. And I guess I had a little smile on. And this dude over here kind of sitting across from me says, you know, guess you couldn't just stay away. You know, like we're about to relate over something or something. And I say, excuse me? And he says, good to see you, friendo. Kind of sticks like his hand out, like he wants me to shake it or some nonsense. Says whatever his name is. And I slap his hand away. And I guess he takes some exception to that. And now everybody decides they want to be all heroic. And they're saying stuff, and somebody got a hand up on me, and somebody might have busted a chair, and that might have been me. And next thing I know, that big man with the tongs got me splayed out on the concrete, and the citizens arrest all sitting on me and stuff. Foolish! Call the heat, put me in cuffs, book me and all that. Well, now I guess I got a reputation. That's exactly what we don't want. Got my picture on walls behind counters and people are all pointing at me and saying stuff quiet. Well, I don't know how helpful I can be here anymore. So my cousin's off on the east side on a big scavenge. Well, looks like he gotta go it alone this one. Finish up what we started. So your man's already on the Greyhound going over the pass, not being minded to. Get me to my going place. Hit up a 7-Eleven. Steal me some sun chips. Mad Dog Banana Red. Slim Jim. Green Apple thingies. Get back to the old me. I miss me. Sorry, Brownie. Does it seem strange that I haven't mentioned the missing cats? It should be strange. They're still missing. And we still don't know why. If anything, it's strange to me that it isn't strange to me. How surprised can I be when I expect chaos? I'm aware of myself numbing to chaos. In a way, numbing to my experience of life. The feeling is that I can't let any one crisis 
or happiness, for that matter, that I can't let anything hold on to me too long or too tight, or risk not being prepared for what comes next. When the cats first disappeared, I said this had all the signs of being some kind of diversion. I've known since before I arrived in Lulu that days were numbered before human lives ended up in immediate jeopardy. Janet Coons. Last night, he came in at the tail end of curfew, but I didn't even say anything. He called out, Night, Mom, like it was any other kind of night. My sisters came into town for his graduation, so the house is over full. Duncan gave his room up to his Aunt Maureen, so he's sleeping on the futon in the family room with the parakeet. <laughs> Keeps him awake sometimes. I peeked in on him on my way up to bed, made sure he was sleeping okay on the night before the big day. He was. And then, this morning, nothing. No call, no note, no Duncan. I call Sergeant O'Connell, and, and I call Duncan's friends, and I even call Candace Bauer, and nothing. So what can we do? We load up into the car, and we go to the graduation ceremony. And, and I'm looking down, trying to figure out the logic of the seating assignments, and I see this one vulgar, flagrant, empty chair between Sandra Corcoran and Trip Cooper. And, and my stomach just goes, clunk. And now I'm just hoping, hoping for a big ceremonial interruption or, or late dramatic entrance. And they call his name, and there's this thunderous round of applause he got the loudest applause of anybody there. And the honors kids stand up, and the rowers stand up, and the band kids stand up, and his old scout troop stands up, and there was no Duncan. And they say his name again, and nothing. Just this loud, strange, clenched yelp I heard come out of my own mouth. And everybody turns and looks at me, and they all love him so much. And, and they understand. They understand that this wouldn't be happening if something wasn't really, really wrong. And of all people, Melba Carnes reaches over because she's assigned to usher my section. And she puts a hand on my shoulder. And at first I try to swat her away and everybody kind of gasps. But she was right. And I let her walk me away with, with everybody looking on over to the portables out by the tennis courts, just the, the closest place she could find me, any kind of privacy, and I wasn't able to maintain my composure at that moment. And Melba Carnes wraps me up, and the dam just broke. I knew it was important to get down to the police station to file the report, to try to say what I remembered, and... My sisters are staying in town to help organize the search. The search for Duncan. Scuffle broke the peace down at Barbecue Palace. 
the closest thing to peace we got on hand. The simmer's getting louder. This summer's been the worst. The mass is getting critical. The masses break their chairs. Is it just our way of airing out our fears? <laughs>